Welcome to the Gateway Scottsdale audio podcast. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through his word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv. Now, let's tune in for this week's message. It's great to have you here. If this is your first time, we've been in a series titled Follow Me. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we have been called to follow Jesus wherever he goes, and it would help us to understand some of the places he loves to go today by looking back at some of the places during his three-year time of ministry on the earth to go back and look at some of the places he went while he was on the earth. We started off the series talking about many of our favorite places to go with Jesus, and that is to follow Jesus into the desert. Because we all love to go through desert seasons in life. Got a lot of great fan mail on that message. Then last week we talked about another awesome subject everybody loves to talk about, prejudice. And here's what I'm really proud of you and, and us as a church. Because last week we really went after an elephant in the room and, and ha- I had a lot of conversations with various people talking about, you know what, I, until I asked the Lord if there was any person or type of person that I am uncomfortable around, I didn't, I didn't even realize I was prejudiced towards women or I was prejudiced towards men or towards rich people or towards poor people or towards people who smell. Or t- I mean, you just listen, when, when we get to a place where we tear down all the walls, not just between God and us, but between us and man, listen, when we have division, When we have prejudice, we are saying to God, listen, anyone I'm not willing to touch, I'm God, I'm refusing to reach. So when we tear down those walls, which we really attacked last week, now we can come into this week's message and we're going to talk about one of the most important sentences in our church. One single sentence. And this sentence has to do with outreach. And this passage of scripture, if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Luke Luke chapter 19. This passage is very special to me because years ago, uh, this was the passage the Lord gave me to help me understand the burden he was giving me for our mobile ministry unit, which is a big part of our outreach here. If you are new to our church, uh, one of the big ways we reach out to the community is we have been building these mobile units So we have, uh, I always call it the spa trailer. I don't even know what its actual name is, but we took an Airstream, gutted it, and in the front half, we turned it into kind of a salon, uh, and the back half, it's a a closet with brand new clothes, and so we can pull up to any street corner to the homeless, and they can get a shave, a haircut, get some new clothes. Then we added our children, purchased the snow cone trailer, because what human being doesn't like to have a snow cone in the middle of 120 degree summers? Then now our next one is the shower trailer so that we can pull up on any street corner in the valley and give out free showers. Uh, And at about the same time, we're doing the food trailer uh, where we can prepare a meal for people and they can order it their way. Uh, So we have all these things, but this passage is the passage the Lord gave me as kind of the impetus and the burden behind all of that. And, And Pastor Patrick Palmer has done a phenomenal job carrying God's heart for this ministry. So as we read this passage, while this message has a lot to do with outreach, it's one of those messages that all four of the points today really could apply to many different areas in your life. So I want you to kind of dial in on the heart for outreach that God has 
But then on the other side, I want you to really dial in personally. And who knows, maybe the Holy Spirit speaks to you about one of the points that has really nothing to do with outreach. Hopefully you're taking notes, write it down, because you never know down the road when the Holy Spirit will bring that back to your memory and it'll be really encouraging to you. So if you don't take notes, I'm encouraging you to take notes. Luke chapter 19, uh, this sentence, this really important sentence, is wedged into the middle of uh, a story that for many has been minimized as simply or merely a child's story. The title of today's message is, Follow Me to Zacchaeus' House. Follow Me to Zacchaeus' House. Now, some of you, those of you who grew up in Sunday school, I already know you're humming the song in your head. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. Okay, stop. Don't sing any more of it. Because you know your favorite part was, hey, Zacchaeus, you come down from that tree. You know, okay, so we're not going to sing it together. If you didn't grow up in Sunday school, you're going, these people are nerds. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a catchy song. You can't get it out of your head. But sometimes I think the devil loves to take very important passages of Scripture and try and turn them into simply children's stories in our minds. And there is a lot of power and a lot of importance in this passage. So Luke chapter 19, let's read it together starting in verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and made his, his way through town. There was a, a man named Zacchaeus there. He was the chief tax collector in the region and he'd become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road. For Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. In this message, through these four points, we're going to kind of dissect Luke chapter 19, verse 5. And we're going to do it by really looking at some of the most important words in that passage. So each of the points, there's not a sentence to these points. We're literally just taking a look at these important words. And here's point number one. It is the word Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. Now, when we talk about powerful words and important words in Scripture, some of us would never think that a name could be powerful, but I want you to think about this for a minute. Put yourself in Zacchaeus' position, all right? Everybody hates him. He's a chief tax collector, and there's an implication in this story that he got very rich by very dishonest means. This, to really understand the background, tax collectors at the time worked for the Roman government. They were Jews, but they worked for the Roman government because Rome was overseeing at the time. So the Jews felt that the tax collectors were traitors because they were taking money from fellow Jews and giving it to Rome. 
So there was a hatred there. Zacchaeus was a hated man. He was also a very unnoticed man. Bible says he was much shorter than everyone else. Jesus comes into town and Zacchaeus is trying to get a look. Now get the picture. Zacchaeus is the prototypical pick me, pick me guy in the crowd. Okay, He can't see over anybody. So he says, how can I see Jesus? I'll just climb this tree. Jesus is going to come down this path. I'll just climb that tree and I'll get a good look. He does it. Now, we don't know if Jesus and Zacchaeus had ever met before. It doesn't really matter, because think about it from Zacchaeus' perspective. Even if Jesus had met Zacchaeus, and that's why he knew his name, if you're Zacchaeus and Jesus, the Son of God, is walking down the street, and he looks up in a tree and calls you by name and says, Zacchaeus, you'd be kind of shocked and impressed by that, wouldn't you? Even if they'd only met once. On the other side of it, If they had never met before and Jesus knew Zacchaeus' name by divine knowledge, that's just as impressive and shocking too if you're Zacchaeus. Here's the point. The point isn't how Jesus knew Zacchaeus' name. The point is that Jesus called him by name. Simply calling someone by name is a gift you can give them. Now, this is something that I I don't do as well uh, as others. My wife is amazing at remembering names. Many of you, she's met you in the lobby, she's met just as many people, if not more than I have, and she, several weeks later, will remember you and call you by name. She is like Rain Man with names. I have to do better. I've gotta work harder at remembering people's names. It's not that I don't care, but typically when you talk to me after a service, my mind's going a million miles a minute, and I'm about to go back in and do another service. It's not an excuse. I have to stop thinking about what's next, we all do, and focus on what's right there in the now, right in front of me. And you know what it is? It's a gift from God. And simply remembering someone's name is a gift we can give them. Now, how can we get better at something as simple as remembering or knowing someone's name? It's simple. We notice others by taking a greater interest in them than we take in ourselves. That's what Philippians chapter 2 verse 4 says, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Here's another way to say that. If you are swimming in self-love, you will never notice someone drowning in distress. If you're walking around and everywhere you go, you're thinking, I love me some me. I just love me some me. You're never going to notice someone right in front of you, in the same room as you, drowning in distress. Jesus in Luke chapter 3, verse 10, says something that I love. He said, Any, anyone who has two shirts should share with one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. Now, here's another way to say that. Never be so busy admiring your two shirts that you never notice the one with none. See, Jesus, as he was walking down the street, paid one of the ultimate compliments to Zacchaeus. He noticed him. He noticed him. Hey, Zacchaeus, I wonder each and every day of our lives how much we miss, that God wants us to notice. I hope you never forget this next one-liner. 
There will always be a need in every room you ever enter. The question is, will you notice it? Jesus noticed Zacchaeus. He saw him and he called him my name and it got Zacchaeus' attention. Here's point number two. The next words, I must. I must. I must is a really big deal. You have to understand that, this phrase, I must. One of the reasons I must is such a big deal is because I must is constantly being attacked by the I mights and I shoulds in your life. Let me help you understand what I mights and I shoulds sound like. I might go to church this weekend. I should go to the gym today. We, we say things like this, right? I might, I should. Okay, now let's kind of take a survey, all right? Now this is gonna require all of us being very honest. Now remember, this is the house of the Lord, so he knows if we're lying. So he might as well just be honest in front of everybody else, okay? All right, now I want you to think about this. How many of us would say that more than half of the time when I say I might do something, I never end up doing it? Put your hand up high, hold it up high. We're a club, let's be together, ride or die, okay? How many of us would say more than half of the time when I say I should do something, I never end up doing it? They put it up high, let's be proud, okay? All right. How many of us would say that when we say I must do something, more than half of the time we do it. Put it up high. Listen, I must is a powerful declaration. I might and I should is dangerous. It's not powerful, it's dangerous. Moving from the land of I might and I should to the land of I must takes us from being entertainers to executors. Because when we say things like, I might, I might do that, or I should do that, we are entertaining the thought of doing the right thing. Doesn't mean we'll do it. But when we say, like Jesus said to Zacchaeus, I must, when we say I must, we're no longer entertaining the thought of doing the right thing. We have now taken on a burden to do the right thing. Isn't it interesting that when Jesus walks down the street, looks up in the tree at Zacchaeus, that Jesus does not look at him and say, hey, you know what we should do? We should get together sometime. <laughs> he doesn't say that, does he? He says, Zacchaeus, I must be a guest in your house today. Why? Because Jesus was and is a must man. Look at the way Jesus talked. He uses this phrase, I must, all throughout scripture. I must do the will of the Father, it's for, for that is why I came. Listen to how he talks. Mark chapter one, verse 35. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. Frantic. But Jesus calmly replies, we must go on to other towns as well. I know everybody's crazy and they want me to stay. We must go on to other towns and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. Yeah. Jesus 
was and is a must man. There are I must men and women all throughout scripture. John the Baptist was one. John chapter three, verse 30. John says about Jesus, he must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. He didn't say, think about how weak this statement would be because this is a very quoted passage. Think of how weak it would be if what he would have said was, Jesus must become greater and greater, and I might become less and less. No, no. He says, I must. Paul was a must man. I must go. Joshua was a must man. Mary was a must woman. Sometimes we forget that as followers of Jesus Christ, because Jesus was and is a must man. We have been called to be must men and women of God. Listen to what Jesus says, Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart. Hit the pause button for a second. You do realize that when you frequently use the words I might or I should, you also love the word some and hate the word all. But when you are an I must man or woman, when God says I want it all, you respond by saying I must. Jesus says you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Do you realize what what could happen in your life if you move from I might to I must? Do you realize that one of the biggest things getting in the way of progress and growth and health in your life is your shoulds? It's It's been a rough week. I should take my wife out. You see, a video announcement in the weekend services about us going and doing outreach in downtown Phoenix, and you say, I should do that. I should go to that. You won't. (laughs) Let's just be real. You won't. I think it's sweet that you think that way, but you won't go. Here's how I know, because you said should. You won't go. The odds are, and you admitted it. You confessed it. I tricked you. But it's true with me too. Anything I look at and say, I I should do that. Chances are I won't. But if I say I must do that, I must go downtown and reach out to those who are in need. Odds are we will. We just have to move from I might to I must. Jesus looks at Zacchaeus and says, I must. I must be a guest. That leads us to the third point. The next thing Jesus says, and these two words are very important to our church. Jesus uses the words, your house. He says, Zacchaeus, I must, I must come to your house. This passage was the passage the Lord gave me about our mobile ministry unit years ago. And one morning in my quiet time, I felt the Lord say, hey, What did I say to Zacchaeus? So, of course, I did what you would do. I started singing the song in my head. I didn't go to Scripture. I started singing it. Then I looked in Scripture and and read verse 5 and felt the Lord say, I I went to him. I said, I'm coming to your house. I didn't wait for him to come to me. I went to him. 
Your house is very important. Those two words are very important in the life of our church. Because we're not just going to wait for those in need to come to us. We're going to proactively go to them. Jesus called us to go, but do you know what people in need do? They call us to come. And we're not going to wait for their invitation. We're going to go find them. Because that's what we've been called to do as followers of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. I want you to think about this for a moment. I know I've talked about this before, so I won't linger here too long. But it's customary for a king, when he wants to spend time with you, to extend an invitation to you, saying from, you know, probably someone lower down in the kingdom that says, the king requests your presence at his castle. He's not coming to your house. He wants you to come to his castle. It's customary for kings to do that. But you know one of the things I love about our King Jesus? He can do invitations, and he does them really well. But you know what he often does more than invitations? House calls. Our king does house calls. He doesn't wait for you just to come to him. He's coming to you. He left the right hand of the Father, the seat of privilege, and came here for you, for me. He says to Zacchaeus, I am coming to your house today. In Luke uh, 19, verse 9, he says, salvation has come to this home today. Jesus is saying, a conquering king came into this house today. Only a conquering king could offer that kind of salvation. A conquering king came to this despised man's house today. But you know what I love even more about Jesus? is he doesn't just visit. He doesn't just do house calls. Look at what John chapter 1, verse 14 says about Jesus. So the word became human and made his home among us. I love the way the message translation translates that verse. The word became flesh and blood, and I love this part, and moved into the neighborhood. <laughs> Jesus moved into the neighborhood. He's not just coming for a visit. He's moving in. What an incredible thing he says to Zacchaeus. Hey, I'm coming over to your house. Do you remember when you were probably fourth, fifth grade and for you girls, you know, there was that one girl in class that everybody liked that you were kind of trying to be friends with, but, you know, you, you weren't quite sure, are we friends or are we frenemies? What are we? You know, because that's how girls are in fourth grade. Fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, tenth grade, eleventh grade, twelfth grade. There'll be an altar call at the end of the service, ladies. Conviction is entering the room. Or for the boys, there's that boy that you know you always played with at recess, and you'd end up if you were playing a, a, a you know a game, basketball or something, and you end up competing really heavily against each other, and you can't quite tell are we friends or are we competitors, and then one day and you really, really want to be friends with this person, one day you're sitting in class and out of nowhere, he or she says, hey, can I come over to your house this weekend? What happens? It's like heaven opens up. And you go home and you say, mom, you're not going to believe. Carl wants to come over to my house. This is awesome. I have arrived. Amber's coming over. Do you remember 
how special and sweet it was when someone you really liked or looked up to said, hey, I'm coming over to your house. I want to come hang out with you on your turf. It's a special thing. As followers of Jesus Christ, we've been called by God to go and by those in need to come. James chapter 1, verse 27 says, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit. Not just to help, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. We've been called to come, and Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I must come to your home today. The heart of our church, as it relates to outreach, is not just that we would come in and just enjoy being in God's presence and enjoy worshiping together and enjoy opening up the word of God. We come in to go out. And where do we go? God's heart is every street corner. Anywhere where there is someone in need, that's where we're going. Because we have been called not just to go to them, but they're calling us to come to them. That leads us to the last word that I want to talk about this weekend. It's a word I've overlooked in this story. And, And truthfully, until this week as I was studying it, I really didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it. Point number four is the word today. Today. I don't know why I've overlooked it so much, but it hit me this week in a way it never has before. I want you to think about this. What if during this service, just now, you got a text on your phone, and you know you look when you get a text during church. Don't lie, okay? (laughs) You look, and it's a friend who says, hey, I have mutual friends with Billy Graham, and I just got a text. Billy is in town and he is coming over to your house after church is over. What would be going through your head? Last night I asked this question and a guy shouted out from the back, I'm out of here. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you and me both. Then you get another text. And the text says, oh, change of plans. Billy is actually already at your front door waiting. Now what's going through your head? Now, don't lie, because remember where you are right now. How many of us, the first thought we would have would be one, kind of half excited, but half a little scared because the first thought is, oh my word, the house is a disaster area. (laughs) And immediately your next thought is, okay, there are four closets in the house. Okay, Johnny, you take the, ha- the, the closet at the front of the house. Everything you can find on the floor, just shove it in the closet. You go to dad, dad, go to the garage. There's a closet out there. Everything in the hallway, just shove it into the closet. We go into maintenance mode, cleanup mode, hide it mode. And many of us do that. I get that we're busy and there's all that stuff, but you know what that mentality does? It convinces us that no one wants to come around unless we're perfectly clean. And you know what I love about our Jesus? 
So he looks at Zacchaeus and he says, I am coming to your house today. He doesn't say, hey, I'm going to give you a couple days, clean up, tidy up, because I don't like a mess. He says, I'm coming to your house today. I'm not worried about your mess. And the Bible says Zacchaeus took Jesus to his house with great excitement and joy. He was ecstatic. He couldn't wait to go take Jesus to his home. I love that Jesus is far less worried about our messes than we are. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 says as much. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as critics. <laughs> what? Wait a minute. As friends? As people who don't judge one another for their messes? Wait, wait. Jesus, you're saying you're standing outside the door knocking, and even if I didn't know you were coming for lunch, if I open the door and you walk through past the laundry room with a pile of dirty clothes, that you're going to sit down with me and we're going to have a meal as friends? Do you realize what Jesus is saying? He is not going to be shocked by any mess in any part of your life. Listen to what he says in Mark chapter 2, verse 17. Jesus says, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. This is an important statement to understand. Jesus says, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Do you know what this means? Jesus is not scared of your sickness. He's not afraid of your mess. Think about this. When was the last time that you had a sickness and you went to see your doctor, you walked into the waiting room, waited for two hours, then you get called back to the room that they tell you to go into, you sit down on the table with the scratchy paper and the doctor walks in and says, what seems to be the problem? And you say, uh, doc, uh, I, I I have, a, um, I have this rash that is kind of embarrassing, um, and it feels like it's starting to take over my entire body, um, and it, it's, it's not pretty. It's, it's a bad rash. When was the last time that your doctor looked at you and said, oh my gosh, what? That, that's disgusting. Why are you telling me this? What kind of a person do you think I am? I don't need to know. That's TMI. <laughs> Doctors don't respond that way. Why? Because they expect to see sick people. Our King Jesus said, I expect to see sickness. That's why I came. So if you're here today and you have not yet given your life to Jesus because you have become convinced that you can't meet Jesus until you clean up that one nasty, ugly room in your life that you're so ashamed of. Can I give you a great piece of advice? Walk out of the waiting room. Jesus would like to see you now. He wants to see you now. 
He's not waiting for you to clean up your mess. It's a big part of why he came. You know, one of the best gifts we're going to give people that we reach out to and minister to on every street corner in this valley, we're going to give them the gift of not being shocked by any sickness or stench. When you meet somebody and they're messed up on crack and ashamed and you look them in the eyes, they're going to see Jesus. Maybe they're hung over from the night before expecting you to be judgmental about everything they did last night. When they lock eyes with you and they find out you're not shocked by their sickness and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it's going to help them understand the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I'm coming over today. And he knew full well what was going to be clean and what was going to be messy. We can't wait until we're clean to encounter the King of Kings. He came to address our mess. Listen, there are people all over this valley, just like Zacchaeus. They're everywhere, and they just want a glimpse of Jesus. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to notice them. We're going to notice them because Jesus noticed the one person everyone was trying not to notice. We're going to go find them and we're going to notice them. And when they fall asleep that night after we noticed them, shocked that we did, I believe with all of my heart that Jesus is going to whisper to their hearts long before they noticed you, I noticed you. But we're not going to stop at noticing them. We're going to get to know them. We're going to call them by name. And with all of my heart, when they fall asleep, shocked that we remembered their name, I believe Jesus is going to whisper to their hearts and say, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you, not just your name. We're not going to stop there. We're going to come to them. We're not just going to go because we've been sent. We're going to be coming to them because we've been called. They're in need and they need Jesus. They need a shirt and we've got extras. They need a meal and we've got more than enough. We're going to come to them and when they fall asleep that night, shocked that we did, I believe Jesus is gonna whisper to their hearts, before they ever got here, I was following you around everywhere you go because I love being with you in spite of your messes. But we're not gonna stop there. When we find them on any street corner, no matter their sickness, even if there's a stench, we are not going to be shocked by the state we find them in. And that night when they fall asleep, shocked that we didn't smell, shocked that we didn't judge, shocked that we're not shocked by the state they're in. I believe the God of the universe is gonna whisper to their hearts. That's why I sent my son. I sent my son to clean up this mess. 
and I just sent these people to remind you, come to me. I can handle your mess. There are people all over this valley, just like Zacchaeus, and they just want a glimpse of Jesus' face. You know what I believe? That if you will move from I might to I must, those people, whatever street corner they find themselves on, one of the best looks at Jesus' face they're ever going to see is when they meet you on their street corner. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Gateway Church, please visit our website at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv.